Recorded live. Better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pop. I am coming. Oops. Scuba Obsessed is a weekly podcast. We talk about all things scuba diving from cool new gear, places to dive, and scuba news. Scoobub Test episode 142 is recorded live December 20th, 2012. Welcome back to Scoobub Test. I'm Darren Jilson. And today could be, at least by the time you're listening to it, the end of the world. So welcome to our Apocalypse Edition of the Netcast. And maybe for the last time, I'd like to welcome Mac, the Dive Mentor. How are you doing today, Mac? I'm doing very well, but I hope it's not the last time. <laughs> yeah, I, I have a sneaky feeling that we may be around through the weekend. But Well, we've got to dive for Saturday, so I hope so. <laughs> well, that's a, that's a good enough reason right there. Heck yeah. And we also have Jim Schultz. How are you doing today, Jim? I'm just wonderful, thank you. Excellent. So let's see. We're we're, we're taking. Uh, so I, I take it neither of you are buying into that the world will come to an end tomorrow. No, I'm still sober. Therefore, you can pretty much assure that it's not <laughs> the end of the world tomorrow. I did leave a couple dollars in the bank just in case. Just in case you didn't spend everything. No. And then I was uh, just before I got in the show. I, I I heard from a little birdie that there were some schools in Michigan that were closing down for the Mayan end of the world, and uh, actually it did make the uh, the news. Was uh, it so much of that, or was it the snow that's coming? Uh, actually, it seemed to be a little related to people a little nervous about some, like a bomb threat from, from what I heard. Really? Yeah, it wasn't a real bomb threat. It was a drill, but the uh, drill got out of hand, and with everybody with cell phones, it went a little crazy. So the, there are several schools in Michigan that are now closed tomorrow. Wow, that yep. got their blood flowing. Yeah, well, imagine being a, a parent at work, and then your high schooler texts you saying that there's a bomb threat. So, from what I understand, is uh, there was quite a reaction to that. But on a happier note, the end of the world. <laughs> <laughs> so, what we're going to do is we're going to jump right on into the news. I'd like to thank everybody who's in the chat room. We have a good chat room starting out. And- we have a full calendar. I've Today was the first day of my vacation. I almost would say a first full day, but even though I was technically off, I did make a few conference calls this morning. So it didn't start till about noon. And then I was watching news and other things, and that was getting me all riled up. So I think I'm on fire tonight. I'm ready just to break and destroy things. I don't know why. That should be the vacation. Maybe, maybe it's the, the back to the apocalypse. Sounded like you needed some vacation. Oh, certainly. You know, I don't think you really realize you, how much you need it till you take it. Or you need to get wet tomorrow. Ooh, tomorrow? You going diving tomorrow? Well, we could. We could talk about it after this. <laughs> huh. You know, I, that could be arranged because I, let's see. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll get to that section of the show and we'll we'll talk about that. Absolutely. So if you're lucky enough to be in a chat room, you get sneak peeks to all the news that we talk about. And while I'm out on vacation all the way 
until 2013 or the end of the world, whichever happens first, uh, I will get the show notes done. I think actually I was just delaying because of the apocalypse, and there's no sense in having show notes done if the apocalypse happens. So the first article is actually talking about the Mayan apocalypse, uh, scuba diving in Mexico cenotes, and an interesting article just uh, written on somebody who's down in Mexico actually covering the apocalypse in the event that it does happen. You know, those will be important rating points that they'll get during that time. But yeah, he'd go first. Yeah, I mean I that's a good excuse. Back. Could you could you imagine that assignment? We need somebody to take a vacation to Ground Zero, the end of the is, world. Is that like being at the beach when the tsunami comes in, so you can report when it hits the beach? Yeah, yeah, he can have that job. Yeah, there you go. But if it truly is the apocalypse, who's going to be around to listen to his report? Exactly. So you just pick up a trip down to do some cenote diving, and that's exactly what he did in the article. So we're not going to read all the details into it, but. Uh, some excellent diving, looks like they had. Have, have, have either of you ever dove a cenote? No. I'd be honest to say I'd never heard of the cenote until just now. Oh, really? Well, I, I think it's a Mexican word for cave diving. <laughs> it's a, it's a, Actually, I think it's the, referring to the structures under uh, rivers that go through the the mountains. They're, and many of them, they're open, so it's uh, there's it's, there's no overhead environment. It's open. So you can go right to the surface. A little chillier than some of your typical Mexican diving, but still amazing looking. And then we have the Vobster Santas raised a little bit of coin over there in the UK. Did we talk about this last week? I had it, uh, had it in my notes, but it might not have made the final cut. But the scuba diving Santas uh, pulled in 5,000 pounds for the RNLI at Vobster K. 140 scuba diving Santas have performed a simultaneous dive, 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 dive at Bobster K Diving Center, raising more than 5,000 pounds, and it was on their annual SOS Day 2013. The annual event was held Saturday morning with 145 divers for the charity. Uh, one of the organizers, Jason Brown, says it was a fantastic event this year. We didn't beat last year's record of 161, but we're delighted with how much money was been raised. So far, we've raised more than 5,000 pounds, lots more to come in, which is great. Once the dive is completed, the divers and their friends and families enjoyed malt, mulled wine and just, and uh, a mice pie. I can't say that I've ever really decided that I wanted a mice pie. Volunteers from the RNLI were on hand to support the divers and sell raffle tickets. Drawing was held later in the afternoon, top prizes being given away. Uh, Mrs. Mr. Brown added, we'd like to thank everyone who came out and got involved in the day. We'll be back again next year on Sunday, December 15th. What what's mice pie? Did I, I I've read that three or four times, and it is it says mulled wine and mice pie. Is that did they mean mince pie? Might be. I don't. I'm just so. curious about who's got to rental for all those sauna suits. I'm I'm looking up mice pie. Against all better judgment, on we're gonna have to Google that. Don't forget, you gotta pronounce it if you find it. Yeah. <laughs> well, the uh, Google refuses to look up. Mice pie and changes it to mince. So somebody found a website. I think that's a that's a good idea. So is that Mac? Is that you? Or is that me? What I was going to ask if anybody again. I I was on that site, but then I started to get music, so I turned it off. Uh, so yeah, on what you say. Yeah. So that that's probably what's coming in through my ears. You gotta love that. Embed some audio files that autoplay. I am not finding yep. any okay, recipes for mice pie, so I'm I'm thinking they meant mince. It's official. Big stick laid in. It's mince pie, and it's a sweet dessert. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, yeah. My uh, my aunt made a uh, pie called mince meat. She used to can her own mince meat, which 
does have meat in it, some beef. So, in fact, I even had a post on Facebook. I'll have to look that up. I can repost it. And that one, I, I said that uh, the recipe in the jar bypassed the traditional possum. A mincemeat pie I've had, and I like that. Yeah, it's because it's got it's uh it's kind of sweet. It's got raisins and a little tang to it. I didn't have one this Thanksgiving, which is unusual, so I feel a little deprived. Maybe a little off. language gets me because some if you talk about sweet meats, that's really none of meat. Yeah, sweet meats isn't that uh, uh, sweet meat? When they say like sweet bread, that, that's glands, isn't that. it? Sweet meats. I don't know. I'm going to ask my daughter real quick. <laughs> I know Jim wants to answer. I have a feeling he knows. No comment. You were telling me this before. Sweet breads is different than meat pie versus something. Yeah. Hey, Darren. Yeah. You still there? We're yeah. still talking pies, right? Sure. Okay, let me get my daughter in here for the European flavor here. Now, talk about the pies. What is a sweet bread is what? Sweet bread is like kind of the gut, like liver sort of things. Uh-huh. That's like the sweet bread. Okay. Yeah. Yep. The other ones you were telling me about the other day, you were trying to differentiate between some of the pies I was talking about. Like which ones? You watch. I like can't think of it. I don't no. know what you're talking about. Well, you said, sweet, you said sweet breads, and then you went to a little dissertation on different items that aren't what they sound like. Like spotted dick? That's a dessert. That, I, I thought no, that was a pastry. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking okay. about. I'm sorry. But if you come up with me, I'll be sure I'll be delighted to help you. She's abandoned me in my hour of need. <laughs> I used to take better notes, Mac. She's going to remember what we were talking about, and then she's going to come in after the show and say, oh, I know what you meant. Yeah. We, could, we can always edit it in post-production, of course. Is that hereditary? Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Except I got an excuse. I'm older. <laughs> Somebody said spotted dick is a dessert like bread pudding. Okay. <laughs> Moving right along. Yeah, we, we we should we should. I bet we could write a, a a book about things you eat that don't sound like what they're really supposed to be. And Actually, I think that's called marketing. Yeah. Kind of like how Greenland isn't green. Yeah. And penguins are on the wrong side of the uh, or upside down as opposed to what you would think. Certainly. In Montreal, one of the deepest pools in North America is set to close. Uh, Members of the Montreal scuba diving community are hoping officials would change their mind, but the pool is slated to close on January 1st. It is a 15-meter deep pool, which I think translates about 45 feet. It's located in the Olympic Stadium Aquatic Complex. It is unique in North America and draws hundreds of divers every year. That would be awesome. Wouldn't it? Well, like uh, Darcy, who uh, I I would call a friend of the show, uh, who's up there in Montreal, he he actually had some comments on it. Uh, He said... uh, before we begin bulldozing into something unique, something that's unique in Montreal that used to be by many industries, not just scuba diving, let's look how we can keep it open. So he owns uh, the Montreal dive shop, uh, Total Diving, and also I believe he runs a quarry concession up there. Um, the statement that was attached to the building says the Olympic Park has found itself in a difficult situation. Resources and activities are limited. It was a difficult decision, and we sincerely apologize for the situation. So what it comes down Is that to... Indoors? Yes. Yeah, uh, what I'm what I'm guessing since they say the Olympic Stadium, didn't Montreal uh-huh. have the Olympics at one point? Okay, and that they probably had a a nice deep uh, pool. In fact, I I found out just this week that the pool where my daughter is uh, does uh, competitive swimming and diving. Uh, they've had to close one side of the of the diving pool. They used to have a, a high three meter board and then a regular board, 
and they changed the depth requirement. Now, you'd be grandfathered in if your maximum depth was, wasn't was quite as deep. They would let you keep your pool open. But since this particular pool had a, sh- a shallower deep area and a deeper area, they made them remove the high dive and only have the shallow board. What pool is that? That's the one in Bridgman. Okay, because they used to have the high dive, then they took it away, so they must have put it back to take it away again. Well, and I'm I may be saying something that's old too. <laughs> Anything new to okay. me is new, but uh, yeah, because that is a nice section there at the uh, in Bridgman, and they got that enclosure, the glass one down at the bottom, so you can actually look at the people and wave if you had people down there. I don't think I've ever seen anybody down there. Have you ever? You've never dove there, then? Yeah, I've, I, I've dove in the. That's where I did my pool training for my certification was in that pool. And they never went to the deep end over there. No, we went to the deep end, but that all you could see was. You know, a dark square in the side. You didn't. There's oh, nobody the in there. Well, the light was on, but I, like I've said, I've never seen anybody down there. Oh, okay. Now, a lot of time when you're a spectator, you couldn't see if anybody was down there either way because it's not visible from the balcony. But that's unfortunate. Forty-five meter, uh, forty-five uh, foot deep pool would be nice to have. So if they close that one up, we we should do some research. See what the deepest is in North America. I'm, I, I, I still want to make one. That's got to be a huge place. I just can't get my arms on a 45-foot deep pool. And then the photo that they show. Let's see. There's also a video there. Do I dare? No, I'm not going to click on the video. Well, like they said, the local film industry used it for scenes in some movies. I can see that. Yeah. Well, in the photo they show, that's a pretty big area. So it's almost like it's a whole end of a pool. That's Well, the key, I think, where they said staging, aging, support, complex. Aging and maintenance and upkeep. It's got to be tremendous cost. Oh, oh yeah. Just... Uh, treating the chemicals, the you know, it's a, it's a tile pool. You know, it takes a lot of effort to keep something like that going. I know Bridgman has a has a challenge keeping their pool going. Yeah, about every five or six years, you have big things about the money and the investment. Yeah, and then in my my town, they're actually doing a a millage for a new uh, performing arts center for the schools. So we build things to maintain them. Yeah, I just got a little note slid to me. On the other topic we were talking about a moment ago. The spotted stuff? Well, sweetbreads is the thymus and pancreas, which I don't think I really want to eat. And she was saying when they're referencing the sweet meats, they're usually talking candy stuff. Sweet meats and sweetbreads. Yeah, so must have been what we were talking the other day about weird foods over there. And I just got filtered in my head and then went away. But thymus and pancreas. Um, and when she talks about eating haggis, that's not something I really care to talk about either. So we still here or did I knock you off the air? No, I'm still here. Just waiting oh, for the okay. article to open up. It's a ban on fish feeding at a diving location, but it may take a while for us to figure out which location it is. This one's out of Thailand. They're banning feeding fish on dive sites. Um, the National Parks, Wildlife, and Plant Conservation Department has banned visitors from feeding fish in popular scuba sites because they say such actions affect the natural food chain. They said some fish seem more aggressive and preferred bread to seaweed. The problem is most severe in uh, Maya Bay and Karabi province. Song Thumbs Swaksang, chief of the Trang Marine National Park Innovation Institute. Wow, they must just think of these names. Uh, said that the regulations yes, will initially you. be imposed on Koi Surin and Koi Samirin. Million? Million? Ah, something. Just, just, uh, just clear my throat. And then the ban on feeding monkeys at the uh, Koi Ye 
National Park, violators will be fined. So always good advice when you're traveling to figure out what the laws are. Yeah, they were talking about that's what the Andaman Sea, correct? The what? That area. It's A D A N D A M A N. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I was just looking at what that looked like. That, that covers the area around Burma, was, India, Indonesia. Was that the Indian Sea? Indian? Does that sound close? Yeah, it could be good. Yeah. Well, I, mean, I know. I know by sound, I might not be able to read it. Yeah. I'm just looking at a quick map of it. Yeah. Or is it a GNC as I'm thinking of? Yeah, the GN is a little different one. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm thinking of. They so also just, call it the Burma Sea, by the way. Burma or Burma Myanmar? <laughs> Southeast of the Bay of Bengal, south of Burma, west of Thailand. So it sounds like warm places. Yeah, probably warmer than where we have here. Yeah. Those pictures look nice, though. I'd certainly be up for there. That's awful, awful blue water. And those people look like snorkelers, don't they? I have a feeling that was stock footage. <laughs> But yeah, did you notice how many boats they had there? Yeah, talk about cattle boats. Yeah, just bringing them in. Of course, that is Thailand. Well, the fish are not too bad. I mean, I see they prefer bread to seaweed, and I think I'd probably even go for that one. Mm-hmm. Then we go from don't feed the fish to uh, invasive species, zebra mussels. Biologists have discovered 20 young zebra mussels in the waters near Harve de Grace this month, according to a statement from Maryland's Department of Natural Resource. What's that? Haver de Grace. Haver de Grace? Haver de Grace. Haver de Okay, sure. I'll go for that. So that was in your neck of the woods. Yep. The DNR said that uh, this year when they were pulling buoys out of the water, they noticed uh, zebra mussels. They said they were from this year's growth since the buoys are put in fresh this spring. They said they check... Uh, Buoys annually to, mon- to monitor zebra mussels in the us- upper Chesapeake. Yeah, I was going to say, Howard de Grace is pretty far up in the Chesapeake, so you're probably not even getting brackish water there. It's still pretty much fresh water, uh-huh. uh, unless you get a really strong tidal push. They, they act like they're surprised to find them by reading through the article. And to me, it seems like once you get them into a system, then they would be there. They said, uh, we'd rather not have them in Maryland waters, but they're now established in the Susquehanna. So far, that's the only place in the state where we're convinced they've taken hold. We're asking boaters and anglers to be vigilant and help prevent their spread to other waters. Boaters and anglers can prevent the spread of zebra mussels by following these DNR-issued precautions before launching and leaving the area. And uh, they recommended removing aquatic plants, mud from boats, motors, trailers, and then put the debris in trash, drain water from boat motors, bilges, live wells, bait buckets, and coolers before leaving uh, the area. Trash unused live bait on land far from the river or bay. Rinse boats, motors, trailers, live wells, bait buckets, coolers, scuba gear with high pressure or hot water between trips to different water bodies. Dry everything for two to five days between outings. Limit the boat from Susquehanna and Upper Chesapeake from other water bodies in Maryland where zebra mussels haven't invaded. They're saying that if you happen to find a zebra mussel, uh, call 410-260-8615. And they said, uh, bag the zebra mussel and freeze it. That just tells me they don't have a lot of them yet. Yeah, because they, yeah. Unfortunately for them, I think it's just the beginning. Well, it's too late. If they've got some, they've got them all. Just like Asian carp. Yeah, this could be an interesting year with the Asian carp here. Just give us more fish to look at there on the uh, beach island out there in Michigan City. Yeah. So it'll be interesting because we've got kind of a reference now from when we dove it. With the carp in there, will, the, will all those other fish be gone? 
I wonder if we'll be able to spearfish those guys. I mean, because they're edible. Yeah, good question. The one way of controlling an invasive species. That'd be help. That'd be helpful. Well, here's one thing that uh, eating too much is causing problems with. Bigger waistlines are affecting boating. Captains operating charters, dive boats, snorkeling, and dolphin cruise boats now have to comply with a federal regulation that bases passenger capacity on statistics that the average fare now weighs 185 pounds rather than the previous 160. The result is a lower maximum passenger capacity for vessels, small to big, and maybe less profit for the business. Party boy, party boy, <laughs> party boat. American Spirit, owned by Captain John Westbrook, saw its stability rating drop by almost 18%. Originally legally able to carry 304 people, the vessel's now temporary licensed. A final stability letter is pending to allow 250 passengers. So my quick advanced math skill says that he's lost about 54 paying seats of potential. Well, you got to look at that. Depending on how big the passengers are, you might not have had 70 seats to begin with. Yeah, if, you, if you're if you spilling over into the seat next to them. But I don't think people who are who weigh 185 are the ones spilling over into another seat. Yeah. I think yeah. the ones who are doing that are more my size or bigger. You know they uh, put this off a good while of revamping that based on the average weight of the American nowadays. Yeah. It, they took this out as long as they could because obviously 304 versus 250, you can hear the ching-ching all the way to here. Right. Oh, yeah. They they waited for a while, but you think about it. Now, that's blending sexes, so I'm sure they're assuming that, you know, that's equal number of male and female. So 185, really, I'm thinking, and, you know, then you also have children. I'm thinking that still might not be enough. I'm willing to bet that's not enough. How about everybody in our club? The average weight, unless there are small people, we're still talking, well, I'm over 200. Yeah, I don't think we've got too many male diving members who are under 200. Yeah. Maybe or, Bob? Yeah, Bob probably. Others, I mean, there's a few of the thinner ones who are... Okay, Mary Beth is obviously way under. Well, yeah, that's why I said guys. Well, I like the reading a little down where they talked about the double whammy, because now they got to take into account the diver's gear. Yeah, which dive boats wonder, have been doing. Were they doing that already? Yeah, well, dive boats were, they, and, they, and they said that... Uh, well, I think what they were doing is, say you plan that each diver had 100 pounds of gear... So you have three divers, that's 300 pounds. You could take two spots, two people worth of spots out for that. So now you've already got less capacity. Yeah, but, you know, actually, I don't, I, yeah, you're right there. I don't know how that goes. Because really, it's people or weight or a combination thereof. So it's probably more for logging. You know, they're just doing the quick math on it. But even it, I mean, just because, I mean, if, if you have, let, let's say you're doing the, the, uh, I'm trying to think of the politically correct way of saying this. The really giant fat people group? <laughs> How's that? <laughs> I'm just trying to think of a more PC way to put that. <laughs> so so you bring them out, and the average weight is 350 pounds. <laughs> You're, you are not allowed to go the maximum capacity of people with that weight. You're, you're still limited by weight. Now, how does this affect, let's say, hey, Jim's boat? You've got a placard for the weight for your boat. Is that weight or is that people? Combination. So it gives you both? Well, yeah, my, my placard gives a weight for um, maximum load. and then So it, you're uh, going you know, to go with your maximum whatever it is, aren't you? I'm going to put on my boat whoever I want to put on my boat. If we sink, we'll just start diving faster. <laughs> well, we, we kind of are all self-contained with our own flotation. But, yeah, you... you we've, we've, 
Go ahead, Jim. We've been out there a couple of times when we've started looking around to see how far we are from shore. <laughs> well, yeah, there, there, there's been some times. I'm not saying that I, I, I want to swim to shore or bob around until somebody gets out because I'm, I'm not sure that I would make the three to five miles in. Well, I, I think if you put your BC on and you inflate it in the boat, I think that makes everything lighter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You just and jump up when the waves hit, too. That that helps. Yeah. And some old-time sailors have always told me you step up from a sinking boat into a life raft. <laughs> <laughs> Think about that. You don't abandon the boat until it falls away from underneath you. I agree with that. Yeah, as long as the boat's there. I mean, your, your easiest way of being found, you know, some survival advice, is hang on to the hull of that boat. How many times have they have they recovered the boat and not the people? Yeah, or one person on the boat and everybody else is gone. Yep. I'll uh, volunteer to be on top looking for the other stuff, but you guys will be too <laughs> low. If I'm up high, I can wave further. No, you can't can't see. Just just climb them. Show me up the mast. So the Westbrook engineers uh, they did the test of the American Spirit stability in Panama City, and they said the cost was fifteen thousand dollars. That that boat, they said the capacity dropped by nine people. They said it's going to hurt them because we always have people standing at the ticket booth, whether the boat is full or not. Wow. Another boat saw the passenger capacity drop from 22 to 19 and 49 to 41. And that's where he's talking about that double whammy. With it's the like an airplane. You know, it, it was made for 165-pound people. So mm-hmm. I can either carry people or gas. <laughs> <laughs> For the record, you 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 carry gas, and we'll wave at you from the tarmac. <laughs> and a boat's not to your advantage, though. And Mac, and as small as that co- Mac, as small as that cockpit is, you do not want people with gas. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. That's, and when they say bring your own, that's not what you were talking about. Well, good news: a possible cure found for the deadliest jellyfish stings. The box I know jellyfish. that's a big concern to me here in Lake Michigan, but I'm really listening. <laughs> well, yeah, we don't we don't have too many up here, but uh, when you hear people who have, I, I ain't saying a rational fear, but they don't want to dive, they usually they usually cite the critters that they don't like, yeah. the sharks, the alligator uh, snappers, wars, uh, yeah, alligators, uh, or up here, alligator snappers, the turtles with the little teeth there, uh, so. I, I think this might be, if you're in the waters where they have these, this might be able to uh, help a little bit. A uh, study has found that zinc-based compound prevents death in mice injected with the box jellyfish venom. The compound, which is uh, zinc uh, glucinate, a nutritional substance, seems to work by preventing certain ions that keep the heart beating from leaking out of blood vessels. <laughs> Sounds like a good deal to me. <laughs> yes. I, I'm willing to take anything that keeps my blood from leaking out its blood vessels. I didn't realize they were that deadly, though. Yeah, they. let's see what they say. A single creature carries enough venom to kill 60 people. Yeah, that's a what? Australian box jellyfish? Yeah. Oh, that's the one in the picture. Mm-hmm. Really a attractive little sucker. Well, the things are also really, I think they can be really small. And they've had people uh, be fatally stung by something they couldn't even see. Wow. Well, that one there looks like to be two meters long, according to that little verbiage there. That's amazing. I'm just glancing through the article to see if there's anything else on it, because it'd be interesting to see what the death rate had been over the years. They're not, they're not saying. Is that moray also poisonous to be by chip? See a picture of the moray down there. I think they just include that in there. There's a video. It says, watch video that tour Australia's Great Barrier Reef. 
So this was uh, from Discovery.com website. You know, it didn't say how many people died. It did say that while all the mice injected with just jellyfish venom died within an hour, about half that also received the sink treatment survived for the duration of the experiment. Yeah, so I, I really like to hear this after they use it on somebody else to keep my blood from leaking out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's good. I don't think I'm going to volunteer for that uh, study, though. Yeah, here, Mac, we got this tank. Don't worry about what's in it. Yeah. Take this pill and jump in. Yeah. And then down in Florida, they're saying that they have record-breaking numbers of manatee calves reported in Blue Springs. They said uh, they had some early cold weather, so they had shut down the rivers. This particular river, which is the Blue Spring, let's see, they shut it down from when in November? I saw a date here. So I think it's from November 15th through March 15th, and that's to ensure the manatee's safety and well-being. But they counted a record-breaking number, at least for this particular spot. He said so far he's he's admitted to having 39 calves, but there may be as many as 45 in there. Now, this is a good thing, right? I think so, yeah, for, for them, the manatee calves. I know they're endangered, but I just wondered, do those guys go somewhere besides that area? Because that's where we always hear about them. Will they migrate someplace else, or can they move populations around, or does that say? From what I understand, I mean, and my knowledge has been as a guest visiting in Florida, is that it's the springs that are in Florida that feed into the ocean. And these springs, the water is warmer than what the oceans are. So uh, the, the, the warmth is about 72 degrees, and I think it gets down. And, and the manatees can't tolerate cold water. So what happens is it gets colder. They move up to the source of the springs. So I think you could move them from one spring to another. But when they, I mentioned it, I saw some other items that it sounded like their population was increasing because mm-hmm. of the awareness of voters, uh, speed limits, and these items about you can't interfere with, with the manatee, especially the mother and her calf. Right. And then I brought up the one item is one of the ladies here it was talked about was photographed right in a manatee in St. Petersburg, and she was uh, fined for that. And I was just curious what they call that in a court. What do you call it when you ride a manatee? Yeah, second degree misdemeanor. Yeah, I I would have to guess some sort of animal harassment. Harassment. Uh, I wouldn't say molestation, but now you're getting sexual there, buddy. <laughs> well, it depends what you were doing. Unauthorized touchy. I don't know. Yeah, un- unauthorized touchy. Legal term. I think that comes from being too drunk in the bar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Unauthorized touchy. Well, the lady could have said she had too much to drink, sucked in too much water. (laughs) Just tell her she needs to hold her breath better. Uh, Passive, they said passive observation is a real way you see manatees here. If people are passive, the manatees will come up to them, and that's okay. So they say interactions include touching, riding, poking, chasing, surrounding, feeding, giving water to manatees, or any other type of interaction that interferes with a mother and her calf. Do they move? Yeah. Yeah, I mean they 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 call them, and they're big too. I mean they're they're. I mean the calves are smaller, but the adults just take. Oh gosh, I have not seen a cow as big as a manatee. I mean a manatee. I some of them. I mean they're huge. You know, they sort feet. of remind me of walruses. Yeah, yeah, I would say so. Something like that. A big flipper. A lot of them you can see the scarring on their back where they've been hit by propellers. Sort they of like don't. When we come up and flip up on the ice. We sort of look like yeah, that. Th- yeah. We 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 do resemble manatees that way. Uh, like uh, some of the parks down there, they'll do some feeding. Uh, I've seen them eat lettuce and and that sort of stuff. I think they're vegetarians, but you know everybody loves a good barbecue, so you never know. 
<laughs> then here's a interesting discovery. A World War II submarine was discovered in the Baltic Sea. A Soviet bu- or sub? Soviet yes, a so- sub. Soviet sub sunk in 1941. The Swedish Navy says it discovered it in the Baltic Sea. Civilian scuba divers were first to spot the sub in the seabed off of Sweden's east coast. They said the area where it was discovered was planted heavily with German mines. Uh, you can actually uh, see, see the video. Do you see any pictures of the guys? Because the, the conning tower looks interesting. I was just wondering if the guys were on breathers or if they're uh, trying to get an idea how deep it is. Well, the the video they're shooting is a, it was an ROV. But they said that recreational divers found it, so I don't know if this is just what they use for the video. But the video is provided by the Swedish uh, Air Force or military. They're thinking that the submarine was running on the surface when it got destroyed because the uh, hatch was open. Hmm. Now, the link that they have up there is actually to a series of videos. And I watched the next video, and their diving gear is completely unique. So I'm guessing that it was specially formulated, formulated, crafted, engineered for them. It had, okay. the, it the had was thought to be the S6 on patrol in September 1941. Evidence shows it was blown apart on the surface in heavily mined water. And I'm looking at a photograph of it, and the information says 6.8 meters. The submarine's only 6.8 meters long. Well, the picture right here has ALT 06.8 M meters. Oh, take that back. Here's another one. 38.92 meters. That's how deep she is. Okay. okay. So you figure 40 meters, 120 feet, mm-hmm. well within sport depth. Oh, that's a nice shot. It's not, uh, I should probably send this to you since I'm looking at stuff you're not seeing. No, I'm not seeing any of that stuff. Uh, the hatch cover is open on it. Uh, it's not encrusted. And in fact, the seal rings look very smooth. And you can do, definitely do a penetration on this. Oh, I'm going to send this to you because you got pictures of it on the surface, too. Ooh, nice. All right. Since I figured out where I hid your icon. Now, that's, that's what to look at there. You see it? Okay, I got the link. Okay. We'll, it, we'll share it with the chat room as well. Oh. Yeah, she said uh, the submarine is about 77 meters long, had a crew of 50, was armed with 12 torpedoes, had a top speed of 19.5 knots on the surface, nine knots submerged. And uh, it gives a good picture if it's off of uh, it's off of Stockholm, uh, off the island of Oland, O-E-L-A-N-D, in international waters. Oh, that's that, some, to me, he said it's cold up there, too. That is some good uh, photos. Yeah, isn't it? At the bottom, it says, in June 2009, divers found the wreck of the S-2, another Soviet sub, some five mines. Uh, it still had 50 crew members on board. Whoops. Not did a they, good thing. Did they say if this one had any crew members on? Uh, I didn't see any reference to any bodies on it. The submarine was identified by letters still readable on the ship's hull in the year 1936, stamped on the main 100-millimeter cannon or gun. Nice shots, though, and the visibility looked pretty decent. Yeah. Well, when you watch the video, it it was pretty clear. Water temp, 5.5 degrees Celsius. So that's pretty balmy. Yes, it is. Well, I mean, we'll take that. Yeah. Five Celsius? I take five right now. That's like 40-something degrees, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Well, zero is 32, so that's yeah, as good as we do this week. So, so and, and Celsius is uh, two-some per degree. So, yeah, you've got uh, – it, it's toasty. Heck, you don't even need a hood for that, do you, Jim? I like that. You like that? I don't no, know. no, don't need a hood there. <laughs> that's a big cannon on that sub. I didn't realize they had them that big or they were that big. Yeah, well, that's where the submarine – Yeah, when, 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 I, I always remember watching the movies and then – 
they're debating to bring the submarine up and shoot the ship <laughs> with the with the, the cannon. I guess if you're going to get something unarmed, that's probably a... Well, yeah, if you're going to go after a, a tanker or something, why not get up and save your torpedoes? Yeah. Tanker's not going to shoot at you. Man, that's what we need in 120 foot out here is a sub. Oh, wouldn't I mean, that we be do great? Yeah. Well, they were, there was a while there where they, uh, they were decommissioning subs, and you could request them for museums. Yeah, take the silver sides out and sink it. Yeah. Oh, gosh, yeah. Just reminded me, I was reading the Facebook post and on the Silver Sides Museum, and somebody said, we are not the same organization that was here a year ago. If you have bitches, go find those people. Don't bother us. So there must be some backstory about the uh, museum. Huh. Yeah, it was just on their Facebook this last week. So let's see. I um, So video of the week. Let's see. Do I have anything else that we want to cover? I, I mistyped a website in earlier today and came across scubacraft.com. Paste that in for you, Mac. I don't know if there's any different. We we covered them oh, probably a little over a year or two ago. Who did we cover? Uh, Scubacraft.com. Oh, I was just I went down the photos of the week and I was trying to figure out that diving bell. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, we'll get to that in a minute. But this is uh some potentially cool scuba gear. Is that on your listing? I don't. No, I, I just pasted it in the Skype. It should oh, pop up I there. Oh, gotta go Skype then. Yep. And then also in the chat room. Yeah, it just looks fun. It's like an underwater jet ski. We're looking at the yacht or the S3 Bolt? Oh, yeah, one of each. Oh, I like that. How kind of money are we talking? Oh, I, I'm trying to remember when we looked before. I think it was over 50. Okay. I think a couple of dry suits and some gear would be great. Yeah. <laughs> so, But it does look like they're a little farther along in uh, construction than they were last time. Let me see. I'm going through all the news. Yeah. Well, I'll struggle along with what we got. They said limited delivery positions are available for 2013. The client's advised to register an order position at the earliest convenience. Hmm, very cool. Okay, so on, on to the uh, photos. So photo of the week is, uh, this first one's, uh, it says it's a diving bell. And I read another article somewhere and I couldn't find it again, talking about them finding it. Or did we talk about in the show? Did you mention it, Mac? Like I don't I was talking think to, I did. I was just talking to so many people about diving stuff, I can't keep it all straight. But... They're saying that this was the uh, Chestati River diving bell, and it was during the gold rush in the 1800s when they were using this. And to me, it doesn't so much look like a diving bell, but as a but like a furnace. <laughs> Interesting. I just went to the river diving bell on Facebook, and the picture's a little different. Uh huh. It actually appears to be lying on its side, and there's open on both sides. So. I don't know what that means. Unless you lower it down, that tunnel pipe that's on the top goes to the surface, and that's the way you enter it. That would make sort of sense. Yeah, I just Googled it, and I'm hitting the photos now. River diving bell. Wow. Six oh, down by 50 feet long, six feet wide. Yeah. Drop anchor over the location. The bell would be lowered once on the bottom. Air would, uh, The water would be sucked out, basically. Have air. The guys would go through the hatches. You're on the ground. Stuck up the stuff. Oh, it's like a portable case on then. Yeah. Yeah. So you you do you stick that in the bottom, and then as you start pumping the air out, the pressure of the water on it will force it to the bottom, and it will make a seal. And then you just walk around and pick up the. Well, is it six tons? Is yeah. it six tons? Six tons of weight there. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but of course, the big right, gold nuggets would be laying there, and you just pick them up. Yeah, I wish. <laughs> it must not work. Or they'd be using that it. That reconstruction is pretty interesting. Yeah. It's interesting to walk around, but there's not a lot to it, is it? No. 
be interesting to go to the top and look down, maybe go to the hatch. Yeah, I, I don't picture it being a huge ob- object for, yeah, I'm going to go travel there just to see this. But if you're there, it's worth a look. Right, and you're talking, that, that's pretty shallow, though, because if it's eight feet high plus the tunnel part, I mean, it's not really deep, so the pressure won't be bad. I was thinking of the uh, differential pressure, so could you get the bends? Because they'd have to pressurize it. Well, would you? were they pressurizing it? I'm just trying to think. Well, if it's How open to the surface. Hmm. Well, it says the... One seated on the riverbed, excess water forced out by pressurized air. So, yes, it was pressurized. Uh, Miners would descend through the belt through two hatches. Air valve allowed them to regulate the atmospheric pressure. Gravel was shoveled into a vacuum tube, pumped to the boat's deck, and washed in a sluice pot. Sank under mysterious circumstances in 1876. Damn. And it was there until 1997. Wow. I mean, if we found something like that in the river, would we even know what it was? I mean, I would not Probably think it was a diving not. bell. I would just think that was some factory equipment somebody threw in. Yeah, that or a boiler assembly. Yeah, and that's exactly what it looks like to me, other than you wouldn't have the heat exchangers. Yeah, but you figured somebody took all the tubes out. Ah, interesting. On another photo of the week, we have a uh, leptocelephus. Well, I probably left a few, few syllables out of that, but it's as close as I'm getting. But that's about as close to being as invisible as I think I've ever seen anything. Wow. Oh, scary. It sort of looks like a bunch of jelly. Yeah. You can you can slightly see what appears to be maybe vertebrae yeah. and a vein, maybe. They said it uh, evolved into Cretaceous 140 million years ago. And they have laterally compressed bodies that contain translucent, transparent, jelly-like substance. I don't even think I'd see them unless I was looking for them. No. Really hard. I'm not sure if I want to find them. But it doesn't have any teeth. I can see that. You're hoping. Well, it doesn't say what he eats or anything, does it? I heard scuba divers, but... It said slim head is what the name of, of it means. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to guess that each of those squares is probably a millimeter. Why did they say the larvae of the eel? So it is actually the flat trans, and flat and transparent larva of the eel. Huh. So eel larvae. Because the ghost eel. Certainly looks like it. And then here's another photo. The fish tornado. We saw that somewhere lately. Didn't you have that somewhere last year? We saw it on Facebook this month or something. Yeah, I've posted it on Facebook, I think, a, a couple Facebook of times. A lot. I thought you did. Yeah. I was scared to piss out of me. Yeah, they, they, I read I mean, something, I read something where he was talking about filming it. What's that, Matt? That could pummel you right to the bottom. Yeah, it looks like pretty big. Yeah, he said the image called David and Goliath is in a submission to the National Geographic Contest is actually a mating scene. They said they were diving with a group of Big Eye Trevelis in Cabo Puma National Park, Mexico. Cabo Puma National Park. Thousands of fish forming a ball during the reproduction courtship. In the afternoon, these fish congregate to form large spawning aggregations around the reefs of the national park. Something about, what, three years in the making or something? Been wanting to do that film for three years? Well, it's one of those things that when you probably first see it, you don't have a camera. Yeah. So definitely cool. Absolutely. And then uh, a video, which I'm sure many of uh, we, we've covered it before, but uh, Tweetin from uh, the UK sent us and sent it again. So I'll. Nice. Yep. And actually, I, I've let me paste the uh, real one into the chat room. It's on the uh, divevideos.scubaobsessed.com website. Yeah, the original, your second one down there is actually very, very good. If they haven't seen that, they really want to look at it. Yeah, so I just pasted it in there. And, I always but, love the part where he empties the uh, 
wheelbarrow. Yeah, that is so freaking cool. Well, I, I want to do that. We we need to come up with uh with something like that. That'd be really. We cool. need to have some good ice. I mean, we you, we can take skis under there and ski. We can take a bicycle. Mm-hmm. There's some neat stuff or tricycles for me anyway. You know, if we got a lake scene like we did that a couple of years ago, we could probably do that. Now you combine this with uh, shooting firearms underwater. Different story. <laughs> <laughs> well, you could be you could be upside down and shoot the firearm. Oh, I just gave the secret away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would not be you know that'd be sort of fun to participate. But when you start throwing grenades in the water and you're down there, I'll be on the surface watching. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, I think we'll pass on the grenades. And dynamite. So that does it for Scuba in the News for another week. The only other comment is I have another note slipped to me under the door. <laughs> in case you've never had haggis, you know what's in haggis? Uh, let's see. Leftover from hot dogs? The stuff that wouldn't go in the hot dogs, I think, is what it is. <laughs> it says sheep's pluck, which is heart, liver, and lungs, with onions, oatmeal, suet, spices, etc., simmered in a stomach. And her last comment was, and it's really not that bad. Yuck. I think they call that sausage. <laughs> don't sausage. tell me what it is. Just feed it to me. If you don't know until after you finish it, you'd probably say it's pretty good. I, I know of people who are world travelers and their instructions to their hosts is don't tell me what it is until after I've eaten it. And if and I like it, don't ever tell me. <laughs> I remember the first time my kids had rabbit and they thought it was stew. And everybody liked everything until they realized that was the rabbit. Then they weren't so happy. Oh. So don't tell them until after they're away from the table. Another thing to add? What? Okay, another, another adding? What? In France, they yeah. still eat horse. Oh. She said, and don't forget, they still eat horse in France. No, they do. I tried it. Tastes like chicken? Not that bad. Okay. She said horse isn't that bad either. Horse isn't too bad. <laughs> so, you can tell the restaurants who sell it, though. Because they have a big uh, horse head on the outside that's required as part of their item. Now, you're, you, you said horse head. You mean there's a a picture of a horse's head, not that they take the horse's head and stick it or on a spike a out the front. Of a horse, or a model of a horse's head. Oh, they will have a model. Okay, so a little literal then. I'll that, so. <laughs> so, so Dave in the chat room says, yeah, you ever hear at White Castle, they still eat horses here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Well, I do know dog is not that bad. <laughs> but that is away from what we're talking on diving, of course. Yeah, just just a tad. But well, no, if you're traveling, you're gonna you know wind oh, up yeah. in a circumstance. You gotta eat. Well, divers, the first requirement is just to have good alcohol because that you, know, you just you pour a good rum over just about anything and make it edible. Well, you have to eat, you have to have alcohol because you know you're never sure of the water. Oh, of course. And you need the medicinal purposes or the contents of the of the drink. Yeah. Well, and then you're, you've got your surface narcosis training as well. Yes. Speaking of surface narcosis, we've got uh, some diving that was done this last weekend. Well, it's interesting you mentioned that. I did talk to Meredith, uh-huh. and she did the chamber dive last week. Oh, excellent. And uh, what, they didn't do the deep one. I think they did only the 110-footer. Yes. Uh, so I told her about, you know, you got to watch that when you first press down, they do so fast that you really got to exercise your ear-clearing abilities before you get in the chamber. Uh-huh. And that it gets really, really warm <laughs> and really, really chilly when you come back up. And her amazing part was, because I mentioned that some people get narked very easily. I mean, at, at levels most people don't. You know, at, at 70, 80 feet, 
you start feeling at 90 to 100, most people have something. Uh-huh. They had a person in there at 60 foot, actually said a little less than 60 foot, was having a really good time. <laughs> 60 foot, wow. 60 foot, they were narked, which is really good to know because if they were going on our wreck, you got a narc diver out there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, he was just giggling and all sorts of stuff. Well, said, you, we've got to be aware of it because, you know, we dive because our group, we have the same people diving all the time, so we're used to each other. And if we were bringing a new diver down on that rack, that would not be something I would first assume if somebody started acting silly. Yeah, and that's why, you know, as a club, we encourage everybody to go and get the chamber dive under the belt. And if you're going to start doing the deeper ones, you want the deeper chamber dive because yep. that extra 40 foot makes that significant difference. Oh, yeah. Sure does. Yeah, I know we, when we press down, you know, one thing I learned about myself uh, in the chamber dives was I get tunnel vision. Absolutely. I get, yep. I get so focused on one task that I don't pay as much attention to other things as I should. Yeah. And by recognizing that in the chamber dive, it's helped me to uh, be more aware when I am diving deep of, you know, uh, don't just look at the depth gauge. you got to look at all your gauges. I mean, yeah. that's the worst case scenario. You, you get so focused on depth that you're not worth looking at your air consumption or your bottom time. Yeah, but that, that's the type of lesson I learned from that chamber dive. Yeah. Now, Maribeth mentioned that aspect that she did very well on the nuts and bolts. And then I asked her, well, what about your peripheral? And that's when she said, you know, when you think about it, you're right. I didn't. I was more, it's not that I didn't see to the sides, but she said I was looking at my work and I, I lost my peripheral vision, basically, mm-hmm. or my uh, observation of what's going on around me. Right. Situational awareness. Yep. yep. So, obviously, another convert that says, yeah, you got to be careful down there, even if you're shallow. Certainly. Yeah, I, I would. I, I agree. I would not have thought 60 feet, but you know, everybody's going to react differently. Of course, yep. if you're getting narked at 60 feet, I think I might call you a cheap date. <laughs> she liked the shrunken head, of course. Everybody always likes that. Yeah. He had a name, That's too, and I can never remember. But, but uh, you had to put that little click in. If you've got a chance to go to the chamber, do it. Um, SAS around here will definitely arrange many trips during the year since they also run the chamber. Yep. So if you put a request in and you get a couple of people... That's a very, very good thing to do. I mean, you got to take the class. You get a little bit of, I don't think he gives the exam anymore, but the class alone is worth going to. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the, the class the class was very good. Gave the history of chambers. Uh, and then Rick just does a good training as well. So that's uh, subaquatic sports there. And they Battle Creek? Yep, Battle Creek. Yep, Battle Creek. So look them up. In, and it's one of those things I think everybody should go. I mean, if you can't do every year, maybe every other year. Maybe we need to do it this this uh, spring uh, just to keep the chamber going. Because if people don't go and take the chamber ride, it won't stay there. Yeah, yeah. mud club symptom. Yeah, because the hospitals don't use it anymore, from what I understand. Right, they use the mono lungs. Yeah, a little, little bit easier to uh, manage. Doesn't require as much prep. Uh, they can Not wheel, to clean. Yeah, they can wheel More it into pressure. a room. Because I think at one point they were talking about actually doing surgeries and other events, you know, longer trips in there. But I, I don't believe they're doing that anymore. Well, I don't think they do here. But if you got certain chambers on some of the big boats out there in the Baltics and stuff, uh, you've got to be prepared to be able to do surgery. Somebody gets damaged or something and they're having to press. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm sure they do that. I mean, I do have some war stories that we won't share on the air. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I have to hear one of those. That sounds that sound pretty good. 
Okay, so that was her dive. Now, uh, Mac, I understand that uh, you got a dive in. So did uh, so we had uh, Jim. You you were there too, uh, Ken. And Sir Larry and Larry, Sir Larry, and Ken. And of course, our we could not have done it without our significant and special surface support crew. Yeah, we did. We did have a, a couple crew people there. So why don't you go ahead and uh, tell everybody what we were doing? Uh, we were actually we got a occasionally. People read about us in our in the newspapers or hear about us, and we get occasional requests to do public service items. I think the last one you heard about is when we went looking for treasures for an individual up in Grand Rapids, and Darren, I think, talked about that a couple of months ago. Well, this one here is a, a lady has, has lost a dog. Uh, long story short, it's a very old dog, 17 years old, and when you've had a, a dog like that, 17 years, it's like part of the family. And it drifted away. It had, it had been sick. It was partially blind. And how it got out of its area, they don't know. But they could not find the dog. And it really upset them because they, the idea of uh, your kids running around injured is just running crazy. Uh, they actually had um, a search and rescue dog come out. And even though it was trained for humans, it followed a scent up to a certain area, which was in the water. And they had tried to get other people to volunteer to come out and help them. And the local fire department volunteered other than they don't dive. They have Gumby suits. So you really can't do a lot of licking in a Gumby suit underwater. So we said we'd go out there and give a shot for them. And we had the hardcore old members of the dive club went out there. And like I said, we had Darren and uh, your son as our line tenders, and we did a search pattern that I thought was very well handled, and we know where the dog is not. Right. So they were pleased. We had a good dive, and there were some treasures. We did not look for stuff deliberately, but sometime our rule got snagged in something, and you had to clear it, so you might as well bring it up with you. Oh, okay. So that's, that's how that works. You know, I mean, the anchor, I mean, when you're shallow, you can bring it up, sort of go to shore real quick and go back out. Doesn't disturb the pattern or the search. And I think your son has something, doesn't he? Yeah, he uh, was a benefit of some of the recoveries. A, I call it a carp shooting bow, a yeah, compound bow with a yeah, threaded a rod on it. Your turn. <laughs> we have just enough <laughs> lag tonight on uh, Skype where we're stepping on each other. No, I was just saying there's a picture of it with uh, Ken on the uh, club site on the treasure. Cool. But that is a healthy bow. Yeah, I've, I've still got to send you some photos for that. I'm so bad on that. At least I'm on vacation now. And what else was unique about the dive there, Jim? Do you know? Well, the last time that you, Ken, and I were on a line was when we found Max Rick. Well, that's true. That's right. That's one of the little funny little items. Yeah, the three of us on a line at the same time. Yeah, you know, the other significant item I thought was sort of funny? That's the only time in a long time that everybody in the water on a dry suit. Yeah, well, but that's true. You were you were dry, and that's a a first. That, that was years. That could have almost not been a uh, uh, <laughs> dry suit dive. <laughs> well, some of you were semi dry. Well, I was in a dry suit, but it, I do now have to find that leak. Lisa was a slow leak. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't. It took a while before I got cold in both legs. But but I have to say that we it this is a good practice dive for doing a search pattern. Just the the approach and it looked professional. Uh, we, we've done some before, which while we were safe, people would wonder, Do you, have you guys ever done this before? And that one, <laughs> that one that one looked like we had we had done it a few times. So it was a looks good, like a CF. 
Yeah, yeah. So I, we're we're getting a technique down. Now if we can just find what we're looking for, which in this case, it was I think it's fortunate we didn't because that's not what you want to find. I'm sure they're still hoping that they somebody's just adopted it thinking that was a, a stray dog and she gets it back. Well, I was glad to do it, and I'm glad we had a lot of support because when you got that many guys who goes out and will you know spend a, a day for that, for that mm-hmm. you know, not everybody will do it. So I personally appreciate all the help we had out there. Yeah, I second that. It's uh, nice having a couple people on shore who know what's going on, know what you're doing, and uh, can bring a different perspective versus somebody who's never worked with divers before just trying to hang on to a line. Well, and that's something that you can't underestimate, just the power of having some sort of liaison. Because uh, you know, imagine had we found something. I mean, there's there's all that coordination. And, and they're nervously talking and asking questions and wanting to be comfortable with what we're doing in the water. No, it's never bad to have good, knowledgeable surface support, period. No, not at all. It was a good dive and uh, got some bottom time in. So. And a good debriefing afterwards at Pizza Hut. Oh, yeah, yeah we, we, we debriefed yep. with some shameless carbs and wasn't bad at all. A successful dive. And this time of, this time of year, you never know. What's that, Jim? So where, where are we going to dive this weekend? I don't know. What, what, what have you guys got planned? I would like to. I don't know what the weather's going to be because I think we've got forecast three inches of snow. Uh, I was going to try to get Mary Beth back out in the river. Mm-hmm. I want to make sure her weights are good and she's good to go for New Year's night. So that'll be down there by uh, Merrimont, down there in Niles. Merrimont? Okay. That's my idea anyway. Yep. Yep. I mean, the biz last time was pretty decent. Uh, the current was not bad at all. Even the, the thickness of the leaves on the bottom uh, was not an issue. Yeah. What time? Uh, I haven't coordinated, but I always like that high noonish. We could do 12, 1 o'clock. Yep. Sounds good. Just let me know what you're doing. So, so what day yeah. are you thinking? Well, I mean, if we get out there before, it'd be fine, too. But uh, I was going to call Mayor Beth and see if she's available Saturday. If she isn't, then I'm still game to go. <laughs> Well, don't hold up for me, but I know I can't go Saturday. But uh-huh. let that hold you up. Now you mentioned tomorrow. Uh, yeah, I'd be sort of willing. I, I'll double check my calendar. Are you are you game for tomorrow? Yeah. I'm, what time? I'm, uh, noon. Does okay. That work? Uh, what we will do, if it's good with you, is I will after we're done here, I'll make sure my calendar is clear. Uh huh. And you want me to give you a call back, or do you just want me to send you an email? Uh, give me a probably call, email, both combination. I'm usually good at checking email, but you never know. Yeah, because I normally don't call after like 930, because even oh. though I know you're awake. But. Yeah, well, and the, the morning would be fine. I mean, it's not, okay. I, I'm, I, I'm, I don't have to go back to work until January 2nd. Well, uh, hey, Darren, I got the chat room yelling at me because I took this out of order. Uh-huh. I'm supposed to remind you to talk about the new stuff. Yeah, I've, I've, I've got it on the list. I know they're a little impatient, but... Um, we'll, we'll do, a new website. Yep, so we, we've... There's a new website out there, and we wanted to talk about it. And I, I know I sent you guys a link, but I don't think I've seen you on there. And just to give a little background, and uh, one thing I really haven't talked about on the show is, is kind of what my background is outside of scuba diving. I'm actually an, an IT professional, been doing computers since, I hate to say it, the late 70s. So uh, specifically for media type of companies. Uh, so 30-some years of experience, the last... 15 years I've led development teams, been the heads of development teams, development managers, to the point where I was divisional head of IT for a publicly traded company. Until recently acquired the last two years, and I worked for another media company and gone through acquisitions, integrations, and now I'm a technology strategist. So, you know, 
a little bit of pred- pedigree, which makes me qualified to look at things, computers, and say whether they're good or not. So what I what I like to do before I sway anybody's decision too much is I do think there's a website that's worthy of people to go to, and if you could do it, and it's called Access Scuba, and the website is www.accessa. C C E am I gonna I better not I better read it up. A C C E S S S C U B A dot com. And there it does end up being three S's in a row. So access the word access, the word scuba put together dot com. And you have to register. But yeah, I'll I'll let you you, you go in there now, Mac. You're, you're probably gonna probably gonna have to register. No, I'm not going there yet, but I'm, I'm doing something sort of on the side. Sorry about that. <laughs> no problem. So, but what I want is everybody to go there and take a look at it. Get in there. We've got uh, pages. And what you're going to notice is it's very similar in appearance to Facebook. It's not a Facebook clone, but it looks similar to it. And what I have to say impressed me was just the level of finish and detail on the product. Very well done. And at first when uh, it was pitched to me, I went and looked at it and I said, oh, geez, another Facebook. Because there's there's literally, and I don't believe I'm exaggerating when I say this, there's 15 to 20 social media sites for scuba diving. And they've and two-thirds of those have aimed themselves at being Facebook-type sites. And I'm not one who believes that we really necessarily need another Facebook. Uh, I think it's tough to have a nationwide, broad social media site. But Facebook did upseat MySpace. It wasn't too long ago where MySpace was the leader. Then Facebook took it. You've got uh, Google+, Plus, which is trying their own. And then there's a lot of little variant social media sites that have kind of come and gone or are trying to take market share. I think probably the most current one is a Pinterest type of account. We've also got Twitter. Uh, but in the dive industry, we really haven't had any all-encompassing site uh, that's great for interacting. Uh, we've got Scuba Board, which is a forum. But honestly, you know, I'm on Scuba Board maybe twice a year. And the only reason I tend to get on there, and it's nothing against Scuba Board, but the only reason I tend to get on Scuba Board is because somebody posted something somewhere else, and that's where I have to read it. And unfortunately, I think that forums in general are, uh, I've used the term before, troll bait. <laughs> where where people will get in there and they'll get drawn in and just get in these endless discussions. So when I first saw this, I'm thinking, oh, great, it's a Facebook knockoff, um, but very well polished. And what is nice about this, and Facebook is trying to figure out how to do it and they haven't done it yet, but when you are interested in something and that's what you want to be immersed in, it's hard on Facebook because you've got everything else coming. you got the, uh, the Farmville sending you spam. You've got family members. I can remember thinking Facebook was dead when your parents are on it. <laughs> and and for me, it was like, not only are my parents on it, but also your kids are on it. So you, you're not, you're a little guarded in what you're saying and what you're doing because it's a broad, wide open social network. So what Access Scuba appears to be is, is how it's done. And I've talked to Rich and I've chatted with a developer, uh, Rich Sinewick of DiverSync. He's uh had some involvement. He's a sponsor of it, and he's gives some uh, direction on and then his opinion on how things should work. But it's a very nice website. Uh, the developer, he's making actively changes. You can go in there, make a request of something that you'd like to see, and he's actively adding it, making changes. So it's only been live, 
that uh, beyond the initial testing for less than a week. So you're right there on the ground floor of it. So if you log in, it's www.accessscuba.com, create an account, and then the first thing you have to do is you have to go and find the page Scuba Obsessed and like that. Uh, we've also got the Diver Sync page for Rich. You've got that there. Um, then Rich has a, a, I would call it professional page. Uh, one is a personality. I've got one as well. Uh, you can go out there and make pages. So very much like Facebook, it is free. They're not charging you for it. There is a limit on bandwidth. You're limited to, not bandwidth, but uh, storage space. You're limited to 500 megabytes of uh, photo storage. When you go above that, you have to either delete something off or they will be offering a upgrade membership where you get some additional space that you pay for. But I think in most cases, you're probably not going to need that. Um, you just either need to delete the photos or reduce the size down a little bit. Uh, some, but just some good implementation on how it's done. Uh, there is a forum section. There's a marketplace. So if you've got that old scuba gear that you want to get out there and sell, you can put that out there. But the nice thing about it is everybody who's on it is divers. They're, I mean, I'm not aware of any non-divers being in there. I guess we, they're, they're not going to hunt you down and you know, eject if you're not a diver. Uh, you can also request your own URL. So uh, when you create your account, you get to create what your URL is going to be. Uh, blogs has some features, polls, apps. Uh, there's gonna, they're working on a mobile app. The first one looks like it's going to be for iOS. So you know, provided Apple approves it, which I can't see any reason why they wouldn't. That won't be too long in the making. And I think we've probably got uh, a few people. We got Dave. Dave's from the chat rooms in there. We got Lisa, who's on there. I think Paul's on there. So definitely worth taking a look. And uh, Dave in the chat rooms reminded me that the developer is an instructor, and he really does dive. So right now you're you're in the ground floor. If you haven't already been in there, you won't be one of the first hundred. But we're now getting into the second hundred people. So, uh, like I'm looking on there right now as we're doing the chat room, I think we've, we've about, about, about as much people in the chat room as there is on Access Scuba. So, what you can do is when a social media site first gets started out, you know, if you don't have any of your friends on there, it does appear to be a little dull. So, what you're going to want to do is you're going to want to friend Access Scuba. And what that will do is that will get you a lot of the feeds. And then, after you go through and you start searching for people, you can go through members and friend them or, or follow them. And then you'll start to get some listings. And then if the spam gets to be too much, you just unfriend that little access scoop guy. And uh, that will cut down a little bit on your traffic. And then I've been pitching some ideas. You go in there and there's a forum. And one of the forums is on suggestions to the site. So if you have suggestions, the developer is actually listening and, and putting them in. And I put in some of my – I haven't given them all my secrets. I've, I've, I'm, 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 I'm slowly feeding them suggestions two or three at a time. Uh, but I've but I've got some uh, some ideas for the site that we'll we'll give them. So Jim Jim and Mac, you got anything? No, I just been sitting here registered for the site. Took Richard's quiz while you were talking about it, and uh, oh, Rich had a quiz. Let me see which yeah, one. Yeah, Rich, Rich put a quiz out there about the nitrox. Ooh, I'll have to try that. Added just one hour ago. Basic nitrox. There's also an advanced scuba quiz and a beginner scuba quiz. And well. I think if you're a certified diver on the basic, you should be able to hit 80% automatically. There is a trick question there. At least I consider it a trick question. <laughs> so don't be surprised if you don't get 100%. But, very, but I have to say, very well done. Looking forward to seeing what new things happen with the website, and we'll be following it. 
I invited the developer on tonight, but he had a conflict and wasn't going to be able to make it. So we'll, we'll, we'll see if we can get him on at some different point in time. Or if you have suggestions and you don't feel like putting them in yourself, you can go ahead and email them to me at the show at scubaobsessed.com, and we'll forward them on. We'll give some suggestions that way. Also remember you can uh, contact us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash scubaobsessed. Uh, we also have uh, scubaobsessed.com, and we have the uh, divevideos.scubaobsessed.com. And I've been, I've been getting a few videos on there. I'm going to get caught up with the show notes this week. Since I'm off, I don't really have any excuse, so I'll have to go ahead and do that. Boy, it just seems like I'm forgetting something. I, I, and that's like, it's almost like it's programmed this time of the show, I have to say that. Well, is it time for the special stuff? I, I think it may be. I've got a bunch of them. been collecting them today. So I, I, fermenting, did you say? Yeah, yeah, they could be fermenting. Ripening. <laughs> I think I might do kind of like you know, like what they do with barley, you know, where they let them sprout a little bit and then they kill it and then and they roast it over a fire. I don't think you're going to make any good whiskey out of these scuba jokes, though. So. Well, it doesn't have to be good whiskey. <laughs> I was going to say good one. I haven't heard any of those. I, I, I've been watching that show, Moonshiners. And they, and they, what did he say? He said uh, the better stuff was called courting whiskey, and the worst stuff was called fighting whiskey. And they used to say there would be three, there was there three or four fights to a jar. <laughs> I love that show. It makes me want to get a still going. I wonder if I could make a still out of the tanks. <laughs> oh, I'm I'm ready. I, I'm, this week I'm I'm worked up, so I, I I could easily be out there. I'd be getting my mash cooking and everything. Get a find some good virgin oak barrels. Or could they be just be lightly lightly experienced? Well, yes, single experience barrels would be great if you could find them. Huh. It'll teach you how to make uh, well water whiskey out of an old whiskey barrel. Hmm. Yeah, I, I I say that I want to do it, and I've got a distillery that's just around the corner, within a mile. I should just go over there. I need to. I should get. I wonder if they get their hiring. Don't they have a tradition in the when you work in a distillery that you get to partake while you're working? Isn't that a requirement? Maybe in beer places. I don't know about whiskey. Oh, is there a difference? So if you put your lips right up against the uh, where it's coming out, that's probably not a good thing. <laughs> well, at least it'd be sterile. Yeah, <laughs> self-cleaning. Oh wow! I'm looking at some of these. I can't. I, I can't remember if I I've said them or not. Gosh. Oh well. Let's see. Let's see if which one uh, we got the end of the world. Which one goes with that? Okay. Here we go. You guys ready? Ready. Absolutely. Two scuba divers, Eddie and Tim, were walking in the outskirts of their whole hometown when they suddenly saw a low-flying bird let a mess of droppings that hit Tim squarely in the back. Tim says, oh, my God, that's nasty. I've got to go home and clean this up. But Eddie says, no, don't. Don't clean it off. Those droppings are from a foo bird, and it gives you good luck. Surely enough, Tim took a few more steps and found a $20 bill in the ground. Good things happened to uh, Tim over the next few weeks. However, after a while, Tim could no longer stand the smell and cleaned off the droppings. As soon as the last spot was washed off, Tim dropped dead. The moral of the story, if the foo shits, wear it. <laughs> oh, okay, I could have fermented just a little bit longer. <laughs> no, I don't think it would have gotten any better had it fermented. Well, do, you, do you want another one? Is, is, is that what yeah, I'm hearing? Yeah, I'm still for you on a roll. We're on a roll? Yeah. You're not going to need one next week, so go ahead, use it up. You're not going to need one next week. Okay, so let's go up to this one. This one's another uh, bad one. No, I am not even. So uh, here we go. A 90-year-old man is having his annual checkup. The doc doctor asks him how he's doing. He says, "I've never been better. I have an 18-year-old bride who's pregnant with my child. What do you think about that?" The doctor considers this for a moment and says, "Well, let me tell you a story. I know a guy who is an avid hunter. He never misses a season. 
But one day, he's in a bit of a hurry and accidentally grabs his umbrella instead of his gun. So he walks in the woods near the creek, and he spots a beaver in some brush in front of him. He raises his umbrella, points it at the beaver, squeezes the handle, bam! And the beaver drops dead in front of me. That's impossible, says the old man, disbelief. Someone else must have shot that beaver. The doctor replies, exactly. <laughs> Do we need a third? <laughs> Has that one been rejected? Yeah, we, we need to recover from that one. Okay. I mean, that one almost made sense. That one almost made sense. Okay, here here we go. A grasshopper walks in the bar, sits down, and orders a shot of whiskey. The bartender looks at the grasshopper and says, Hey, do you know we have a drink named after you? The grasshopper sits his drink on the bar, looks at the bartender, and says, You've got a drink named Steve? Okay, I like that one a little bit. <laughs> oh, so, <Isn't> that <laughs> I, I don't think you're going to get any better. So... On that note, provided we make it to the next week, go out there and get wet. And stay safe. And remember, no drinking grasshoppers named Steve were armed in the making of tonight's show. Call recording has been completed.